excuse me. Let me begin with a question tonight for the Christian. A question for the Christian believer in here. Is your life noticeably different to those around you? Is your life noticeably different uh, those around you do you do we do you stand out for jesus christ or is it more likely that at work or uh, at university and amongst your friends that to all intents and purposes you are indistinguishable from the rest of society is your life noticeably different from those around you well, it's to that, okay, that topic, the, the impact that our salvation, the impact that, that redemption uh, should have on the people of God that, that Paul uh, now turns in his letter to the Colossians. And I suppose, you know, what we're dealing with here in these short verses that we're looking at is another one of these sort of transitional portions of the letter Colossians. Now, if you've been here for the last week, while, oh, the last few weeks, you'll know what Paul's been doing. In the last section, previously, he's been very theological. You know, he's been in these sort of discussions in, Coloss- uh, in, in the Colossians, discussions about the false teachers. That's where he's been. And then what he's going to go on to do um, towards the end of this letter is, is something much more practical, a lot more sort of practical instructions uh, uh, to the Colossians. And so what we're looking at tonight is kind of the bridge between the two things. What these four verses do, they bridge the theological stuff uh, and the practical stuff. And and, and here tonight, Paul is exhorting these new-ish, young-ish Christians to live for Jesus. He is exhorting them to live and live differently in the light of their salvation. So, I was going to say, let's consider what, what Paul says here. Let's not consider in some ways what Paul says here. Let's, let's consider what God has to say to us. Almighty God, what he has to say to, to us tonight in his in his word, in these verses. So I would ask you, if you haven't done it already, please look at, have Colossians 3 uh, open in front of you. First of all, let's consider on whom, on whom we should focus, on whom we should focus. Right, like, I tell you what, right, let's do a bit of biblical detective work, okay? Uh, if you would look at your Bible at, not this section, previously, look at chapter 2 and verse 20. See how it begins, okay? Chapter 2, verse 20. Do you see how it begins? And what does it say? Paul says, since you died with Christ, so, since you died with Christ, so what Paul's about to do there is go into an implication of our union with Jesus. Since you died with Christ, then there's going to be an implication. And the implication is, don't go back to sort of legalistic worship. Okay? 
Yeah, that's fine, we get it. We looked at that. That's chapter 2, verse 20. Now, look at what we're dealing with in the opening verse tonight. Chapter 3, verse 1. We have had, what have we had? We've had since you died with Christ in chapter 2, verse 20. What have we got here? Since you have been raised with Christ. You see it? You see how they're tied together? So that means that everything, everything that we're going to see tonight, everything that we're looking at tonight is also an implication of our union with Jesus Christ. Since we have been raised with Christ. And Paul's going to say something really important here. So what does he say? <laughs> Let's carry on. First of all, he says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. I think we've got to be kind of careful with this sort of language, don't we? Because uh, uh, perhaps the modern church has got maybe a tendency towards being a bit soppy. Doesn't it? We've got a real tendency towards being so what do we see? We see in this verse the word heart. And we sort of think, oh, wonderful. It's about our affections and it's about our emotions and we've got to keep a nice little special place in our heart for, for Jesus. And yes, that's definitely part of what Paul's saying here. But that is nowhere near, nowhere near as an ex- as expansive a thought as Paul has here. Now, what Paul is saying at that point to the Colossians is that now, since you have been raised with Christ, yes, your emotions are to be about him. But really, since you have been raised with Christ, such is your union with him, that, that, that Christ should be infiltrating everything in our lives. That Christ should be central to our ambitions in life and our desires in life, our hopes and our dreams, you know, as Christians. That Christ should be even infiltrating our thinking here. Everything should be centered around our Savior. That's what he's saying, set your hearts in Christ. Now, Now, look, we know by now, having looked at Colossians, that Paul is not a sort of naive guy. I mean, he, he knows that this is a sort of, this is a big thing that he's saying to these Colossians. You know, have Christ central to everything you are. He knows that's, that's a mighty calling for the Christian. So what does he do? Well, in verse 2, he elaborates on how this Christ-centered life can come about. What does he say? Have a look at it. He said, set your hearts, or really set your life and things above. Verse 2, how's that going to come about? Set your, look, set your, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What does he mean? Set your minds on, on set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Tell you what we'll do. Let's take that in the reverse order. I mean, what does Paul mean, do you think, when he says that we are not, as Christians, not to have our minds on earthly things? What does he mean? Well, um, I once had a friend who used to carry a a magazine 
uh, around with him in his back pocket <laughs> everywhere he went, you know. And it was a, an auto trader magazine. So a, a magazine given over to car sales, you know. And, and where this guy, like, honestly, if he got a spare 20 seconds, anywhere he was, out would come the magazine and he'd be pouring over all these, these cars and sort of last thing at night, got all the boys around at the, the flat, out would come the magazine, he's pouring, pouring over it and he's sort of dreaming about what sort of car he might be able to get in the future. Now, that there is helpful in understanding what it is that Paul is saying here when we are not to have our minds on earthly things. Now, now f- follow me, because this is important. When he says, don't set your mind on earthly things, it is not that Paul's saying to these young Christians, new Christians, he's not saying, okay, now you've been saved, you can kind of take a step back, and you don't have to engage with the world. He's not saying that. Otherwise, the rest of Colossians, where he is talking about how Christians live in the world, it wouldn't make any sense. It would all be contradictory. He's not saying that. No, what he's saying, and I want you to hear this and hear it clear, what he's saying is because we have been saved, because we are united now to Jesus Christ, the Christian should not be, wait for it, infatuated with the things of this world. We mustn't be. Like, we are not supposed to be thinking the same way as the rest of society. You know what it's like, you know, with people spending all their time on their phone or on the computer, dreaming, obsessing about cars and holidays and homes and clothes and their kids' schooling. That is not to be the way of the Christian. We are not to be so preoccupied and obsessed with these things. Instead, what does Paul say? We should place our hope and we should think on, what does he say in verse 1? We should hope in the one who is seated at the right hand of God. That's our hope. That's our obsession. Sounds great, doesn't it? That sounds sounds fine. Sounds all We buy it. How do we do that? How does this work? Well, I think what we need to know is that these verbs that Paul is using here, set your heart, set your mind, these are continuous verbs. Did you hear that? They're continuous verbs. Do you see what that means? It means that this is about a daily ongoing battle against this sin- sinful tendency to immerse ourselves in the world. This is about us on a daily basis, daily, every day, actively trying to set our minds on Jesus Christ. Now, how do we do that? We think more about Jesus. Do we do that? Set aside time, more time to think, meditate about Jesus Christ. This is about us praying more Jesus Christ. This is about reading more about Jesus Christ. This is about basically us on a daily basis trying to get to know our Savior better. Now, I, I think, you can correct me later on if I'm wrong, but I think is maybe true that such is our attachment to the things of the world that some of us in here will hate this tonight. Such is our attachment to the things of the world that we do not like this at all. 
that we do not like what Paul is saying here, that this is, this is unimportant, this is unachievable. I want you to see that it's not. This, this is very, very important. Friend, if, if we want the people in our lives to actually notice that we are different, what we're going to need to do is set aside proper time to focus on Jesus Christ. To look to him, to ponder the absolute magnificence of the Son of God and to become so utterly Christ-centered in all of these things that have been mentioned tonight that we might, imagine, we might eventually get to the point that we are able to say with Paul, for me to live, for me to live, quite simply, is Christ. So we see here, first of all, on whom it is that we should focus, okay? We focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing we've got to think about is on where uh, we should focus. So we've seen on whom we focus. Second of all, where it is, on where we should focus. Right, so in the, in the first point, we've seen Paul sort of exhorting these young Christians, okay, you're Christians now, live differently. <laughs> Here we come now to a verse that we've got to consider. Oh. What we'll say, it is a glorious verse, but I do want to say that this verse we're going to look at is probably as tough as it is dense. Uh, so I'll simply read it, and I, I want you to listen to me as I read this verse, okay? So we've had, set your minds on things above. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What does he say next? For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Right? Now, the first part of that, for you died, obviously, sort of Paul's given part of the reason that, that Christians, you and I, should not be obsessed with the things of the world. Why should we not be obsessed with the things of the world? Because in Christ we've died to these things. We have died to all these sinful attachments and all these things. We've died. So that's the first part of the verse. We, we, you know, we can put that to the side and get to the second thing. I'm going to read it again. This is what I want us to focus on. Our lives, your life as a Christian, our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. What does that, what, what does that mean? Our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Um, this week, I was thinking an awful lot about the makeup of the congregation. Um, I was giving quite a lot of thought to the fact that there are not, there's a few exceptions, but not that many people at LCPC who were born and brought up in London that for most of the people in the congregation, there's somewhere else, isn't there, that you would call home. That there's, whether that be, I don't know, America or, or Scotland or South Korea, there's somewhere else that when you go back there, immediately there is a sense of, of uh, 
what, there's a sense of the familiar about it, you know, you get back there and there's a sense of, I don't know, recognition with these places, there's a sense maybe even of belonging, and man, that, that, that helps us with verse 3, and something needs to help us with verse 3. Because you see, although this idea of us having our lives hidden with Christ, our lives hidden with Christ. Now that's got so much to say about our spiritual standing just now. If we're going to understand what Paul is talking about, we've got to see what he's thinking about. We've got to see his perspective here. What is Paul's perspective in these four verses? What is Paul thinking about? Paul's thinking about heaven. Isn't he? I mean, he's thinking about glory. Look at this. He doesn't just, he's not, doesn't just speak about Jesus here. He speaks about Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. This is about heaven. He doesn't just say, set your minds on Jesus. Set your minds on, on things above. He's thinking about glory. And so, do you see it? When he says here, set your minds on things above for your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What he's saying is that such is our union with Jesus in some senses, in a spiritual sense, even now. We are, you are with Christ in a spiritual sense, in glory. Now that's massive. That's a big, big thought. But what I want you to do is see the dramatic implications of what Paul is saying there. Now, follow me in this. Since our lives are now hidden with Christ in God, it means that even tonight, as you sit there in your seat, you, if you're a Christian, are a citizen of glory. It means that even this evening that you and I, by the blood of Jesus Christ, are, you know, we can call ourselves subjects. We can call ourselves natives of heaven. Now, isn't that, isn't that earth-shattering stuff, isn't it? That since we've, yes, died with Christ, risen with Christ, now ascended with Christ, that, that our true home isn't London. And it isn't somewhere else. It isn't somewhere weird in Scotland. Our true home is in glory. Now, do you see what that means for the future? Do you? It means that when we eventually do die and we clasp our eyes for the very first time on, on the new Jerusalem that's before us and we see its buildings and we see its street and we see its people, do you see what it's going to be like? There is going to be this indescribable sense of familiarity. There is going to be this, this sense of recognition. There is going to be this wonderful, awesome feeling of belonging. We are united to Christ. Our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. We are citizens of glory. Now that's one implication, okay? Next implication, since our lives are now hidden with God, think about this. Your salvation is ever more secure. 
Now, do you see, do you see how we get there from what Paul's saying? I, just look at the language with me. Think about what Paul says in this verse. He says, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, you would think, if you're anything like me, you read the verse for the first time. What do you think? You think Paul's going to say, you're saved, and therefore your life will be one day hidden with Christ in God, in glory, right? That isn't what Paul says at all. Paul says, no, 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 no. It is now. Your life is hidden. This hiding in Christ in glory has already happened. Do you see what that means? It means that no matter what happens, that it means that, and I wait for this, it means that no matter what sin you commit in the future, it means no matter how much the devil tries to snatch you from the arms of your Lord, it means that cannot happen. This has already happened. We are safe because that transition to a heavenly status in Jesus Christ, it has happened. We are now hidden with Christ. And it sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds marvelous. And then you read Calvin and he knocks it out of the water. Because let me tell you what Calvin says about this. He says, yes, of course, you know, this means you're saved now. You're secure now. But then Calvin says, no, it's more than that. He says, you are doubly secure. Because look at the language. Look what Paul actually says here. It says, your life is hidden with Christ. With Christ in God. He doesn't just leave it with Christ. It's a double security. We are safe in the Son. And we are safe in the Father. The fortress is our God. And we are already behind his walls. So we are citizens of glory and we are secure forevermore. But the third implication, since our lives are hidden now with Christ, it means verse 1 and verse 2 now make perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, think about it. Given our status now is a heavenly status, a status in glory with Jesus Christ, why on earth would we be obsessed with the things of the earth? Given our status with with Christ in in glory, why would we be, you know, absolutely preoccupied with with worldly things? These, These things are just passing by. This is all just empty. Friends, do you see this? You want the people in your life to, to say, a person's different. A person has a hope. You want that? Well, what we do is we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we must also focus on glory. Focus on the fact that very, very soon we will be going So we see on whom we should focus. We see on where we should focus. Lastly, last thing. Let's focus on, let's look at on when, on when. So on whom 
on where, last one, on when we should focus. So, I hope you're with me so far. We've seen Paul right into these Colossians, gives them an exhortation. He wants them to live differently. Then he speaks about their future and their states. Last thing that Paul does in these short verses is give the Colossian Christians and you a promise. Let me read the promise. You can have a look. It's verse 4. How's this for a promise? When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, what, do, what, what are we to understand from that? Um, well, there's, there's been a bit of chat in the news this week about the identity of uh, the next James Bond. Uh, I saw it in passing. It's not like I'm on the sort of celebrity websites all the time trying to, try to find out the information, you know. Um, but you know what it's like, these sort of news outlets, they hear that the, the identity of the next actor to play James Bond is soon to be sort of unveiled. They stop and everyone's on, like, on tender hooks trying to speculate, you know, you know what, what's going to happen. I think that's what we're dealing with here. Because we've got the Apostle Paul in these verses and he is fixed upon a future unveiling, isn't he? Like he, he is focused here, not just on heaven. He is focused on that, that, that day of great revelation where all humanity is going to see the Lord Jesus Christ for who he is. That's a thought, isn't it? That, follow, follow me here, that, that as it stands just now, all those who are outside of Jesus Christ, they are carrying on, like tomorrow and, and, and the remainder of the week and the remainder of their lives, that all those outside of Jesus Christ carry on, unaware of who he is, but that what will happen one day is that they will see him. And they will see him for who he is. Now, let me say, let me read what scripture says about this. It says that with a loud command and with the voice of archangels and with the trumpet call of God, Christ will appear and he will be seen by all. Now, doesn't that stir you? Isn't it every time you think about the second coming, surely it stirs you. You know that our Savior is coming back. And he is coming back triumphant. But do you see, that's not the entirety of what Paul's talking about here. I mean, that's thoughts, the return of Jesus Christ. But what Paul wants us to focus on is a secondary revelation. Think about this. That on that day, not only will the world see the Son of God for who he is, that on that day, the world and all humanity will see all the sons and all the daughters of God. That we will be revealed. 
that if you've been taunted as a Christian, if you've been ridiculed for your faith, know that on that day, there will be a great vindication of the gospel. What is it that, that Paul, Paul says here? He says, when Christ appears, you, you also will appear with him. And, and what I want to end with, and this is how we'll pull it all together and finish with, I want to end with what that will mean for you. That revelation at, on that final day. Because again, look at what Paul says. He says, when Christ appears, then you also will appear in glory. Do you see what that means? That means that that on that final day, not only will we be with Christ, that we will be like Christ. On that final day, was it 1 John 3, 2, we shall be like him. Philippians 3, our lowly bodies will be made glorious. That this, this is true. That, that a moment is coming when we will be so transformed that we are going to be as Christians alongside our Savior. We will live forever with our Savior. But more than that, we will be in perfect resemblance to our Savior. And do you see what Paul is, what is Paul, what Paul's doing here? What he's saying to these Colossians? He's saying, why on earth with that day approaching, would you live obsessed with the world? Why would you be obsessed by the mundane things of life when you have a point on the horizon that is coming towards you as fast as can be imagined, a point when you are going to be with and like Jesus? So I ask you tonight whether you see this and you see it clearly, The fact that we are Christians and we should live differently to the world. Why? Simply because we are different to the world. Friends, let's live out our salvation by looking to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's live out our salvation looking to the place of glory. And let's live our salvation looking at this, looking at the point in the future. <laughs> Think about us in here. I mean, this isn't a fable. This isn't a story. This is us in here standing alongside with all the world looking on. Standing alongside our exalted King. Let's pray.